folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. And I am excited to chat with everybody as I'm going to tweet out right now that we are live. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a little bit here just to chat, just to hang out with everybody about uh, all this Denver Nuggets stuff that's kind of going on, kind of not going on. But if you notice, I'm in a slightly different environment, nothing too crazy, but I did add a plant to my setup and I am very excited about that. Uh, No, over the last week or so, I've been moving. I've been changing apartments and that has been a uh, long process and that's fine. It is what it is, but it is over now. We are firmly here. I don't want to turn around because I don't want to show you the room that I'm currently in. It is quite a mess, but uh, we have set up a nice little studio space here. And for the time being, this is going to be where I podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in if you're here. And thank you so much for hanging out with me as uh, a Royal Pickaxe and Roll listener. So let's get into it. Let's talk Uh, Main topic for today is going to be top 10 shooting guards. We will get to that in just a little bit. But I did want to start with Vlako Chanchar and the news that he is basically going to be out for the season uh, with a torn ACL. Uh, This is a horrible thing, a a horribly painful thing that happened for for Vlako while he was playing for Team Slovenia, the Slovenian national team. They're playing against Greece in what is a friendly match. and. It is unfortunate that that this happened. It was on a dunk. He was going up for the play. I I posted something over at Mile High Sports. Make sure to check that out. Uh, but that is a an extremely unfortunate thing for something like this to happen over the summer. It's it's never a good time to tear an ACL. Uh, but Vlaco's going to be out, and it was confirmed to be a torn ACL by Mike Singer of the Denver Post. And it's likely not going to keep him. Uh, he's he's likely not going to be able to play for the rest of the season, unfortunately. So, or for for this upcoming season, twenty twenty three twenty four. And so that's a a horrible thing for a number of reasons. For one, Vlaco is the fourth longest tenured Nugget. He's actually longer longer. He has a longer tenure than anybody but Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. Porter drafted in 2018. Vlaco drafted in 2017, but he came over after Michael Porter was drafted. They basically each were rookies in the same season, 2019-20. And it sucks. It's just a horrible thing that this happened. Vlaco's been working his way into the rotation for the last four years, basically. And it is just a very, very unfortunate thing because... Uh, he he's a talented player. He is a connective player. He is a good player, and this was going to be his first major opportunity without Jeff Green in the lineup to really be the defined backup power forward for the roster. And that's like you never have you never know when your opportunities are going to come in the NBA. You never know when your chance to shine, your chance to potentially make some big money going forward, could come. This was Vlatko's real opportunity to really pencil himself into a championship-caliber rotation. Uh, I had at least considered the possibility that he would be the seventh man 
for this Nuggets team behind Christian Brown as the sixth man and then the starting five. That's not going to happen. That's clearly not going to happen here. And I don't think that it would be wise to expect them to play for any any real portion of the 2023-24 season. The earliest he could realistically come back is like May. And that is with him uh, having a, a nice, quick recovery. But I just don't see that actually happening. I think that it is important for Nuggets fans to keep that in perspective and for the Nuggets to give him the time that he needs to recover. The best thing that they can do for him is just say, hey, don't worry about this next season. Go recover. Go get to be the best version of yourself. And then because he is under contract, or at least he's a non-guaranteed player for, like he has a team option, I'm pretty sure, for the 2024-25 season, Denver can and should pick that up still. Like, I don't think that this changes that perspective. And he could be in the rotation or at least competing for a spot at that point. Vlacko's a part of this team. Like like I said, fourth longest tenured nugget. You don't just want to kick a guy like that to the curb. I had somebody ask me on Twitter or X uh, whether Denver should cut Vlacko and just create a new space for him. They can create a new space by basically getting a um, injury exception. It basically says that he would be out for the entire season. Here is a an exception, which also grants you a roster spot where you can add another player to your team. Uh, Denver did that with Austin Rivers when they signed him in when they signed him in place of Jamal Murray, who it was very clear he would be out for the rest of the 2020-21 season when he toured in April. Um, and so they created a spot for Austin Rivers. He was able to come onto the team. They had 16 players on their roster, if I'm not mistaken, and that was a viable thing for them. Denver will probably do something similar here. I don't know what that ultimately looks like and, and what kind of player they would go for, but this could be an opportunity for somebody else on the roster to step up and prove that they deserve to play. Uh, but the real question is, what does Denver actually do? Like, what can they do at backup power forward now? What are the actual options? Well, I've, I've put together a list here, and this is what I had as the initial option, the initial run through the rotation. If Denver decides to go with a full bench, then uh, then uh, Peyton Watson likely slides to the power forward position, and Zeke Naji plays center. That means that you've got 6'8", Peyton Watson is kind of your roamer, your athletic power forward type who can switch on to guards and, and actually should switch on to guards in a lot of cases and would give Denver a lot of utility. That leaves the small forward spot open that a lot of people expected Peyton Watson to play. So then you'd have a guy like Justin Holiday or Julian Strother as that small forward with Christian Brown playing the two, Reggie Jackson playing the one, Zeke Naji playing the five. That would be the expectation. That could be fine. That could be okay. It's, it's probably not a great lineup. It's probably not one where you're really excited that you're going to the full bench group, though. And I think that you're probably going to see that with a lot of Denver's groups. Like, here's another concept with their full bench. You could put Peyton Watson as the small forward and Hunter Tyson as the power forward. So instead of going with a Justin Holiday or Julian Strother, some sort of wing shooter, you put a Hunter Tyson, a forward shooter or power forward type, a stretch four type 
at the power forward position, get yourself a little bit more size, allow Peyton Watson to play a natural position at the three. Maybe that makes more sense. Another thing they could do, Peyton Watson at small forward, move Zeke Naji from center to power forward, and then play DeAndre Jordan for 10 to 12 minutes a game as the backup center. Uh, that could be fine too. I don't know if it's the right call. I think that in all likelihood, you want Zeke Naji to play the backup five. I don't know if Zeke Naji wants to play the backup five though. And if there is a possibility that Denver wants to showcase him and showcase his talents, maybe they decide you should play the four a little bit. You should play the four, showcase your talents. And then like, especially because he's going to be on an expiring contract, maybe he plays the backup four and DeAndre Jordan or somebody similar like a Jay Huff, the two-way contract that they signed. Maybe he plays the backup five. Uh, And then Peyton Watson stays at the three in that situation. The other two things that they can do, you could stagger a starter and Peyton Watson moves at the small forward position. And then you have either Michael Porter Jr. or Aaron Gordon as the backup power forward. Now, this is fine. It does create some wrinkles within the rotation that Denver would have to solve with other guys. Uh, There would be some times where Michael Porter would be on the floor without Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon would be on the floor without Michael Porter. And maybe that's fine. Maybe those guys are good enough that it's okay. But one of the interesting things about Denver's rotation and the way that they've built their team is that this starting group is so good, the more time you stagger with that group, the less time you actually play with the starters on the floor at the same time. So there is a trade-off there. And if you break up the starting unit, it means that you're getting less valuable time from the starters in order to give the bench a better shot. I'm not sure if that's the best thing for it. But that's kind of a positional look at it. And then the final option I have, you could stagger a starter, Jamal Murray, and then play him in place of Reggie Jackson and go with something like Jamal, Christian Brown, Justin Holiday, Peyton Watson, and Zeke Nashi. That's probably the best group you're going to get in terms of just one starter out there along with the bench. Uh, it means that Christian Brown, Justin Holiday, Peyton Watson, Zeke Nagy, like that's a really good group from a defensive perimeter defense standpoint. It would insulate Jamal Murray a lot, means that he doesn't have to do a whole lot on the defensive end. And it might not be the worst idea in the world to surround Jamal Murray with athletes, versatile defenders, and then have him do the offensive stuff. Uh, We will see, though. We will see what it ultimately looks like. And I think that it's important if you are a Nuggets fan to have a little bit of patience with Michael Malone as he tries to figure this thing out. We will see what it ultimately does, but I think that it's going to take some time. I think that Denver is going to have a lot of time to figure it out, though, and they're going to miss Flacco. Like, that's just, he's one of the guys that they expected to step up in the wake of Jeff Green leaving. With Bruce Brown also departing, you want some familiarity with their group. Now you don't have a lot of that. Now you don't have a, a lot of guys that are kind of carrying over from the previous iteration of the bench. And it's going to be a struggle no matter what. So we will see what happens. But Vlaco probably after the season, Denver's got some depth, but not great depth in order to really bolster that. And we're going to find out what it actually looks like going forward. We shall see. When we come back, we are going to rank the top shooting guards in the NBA. I am looking forward to that. Should be very fun. But first, you hear that? 
That's the sound of football coming back. And now is the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas, and now you can use their promo code MILEHIGH to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they will match your first bet up to $250 with promo code MILEHIGH. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook Sports and the promo code MILEHIGH. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Good Morning Broncos is going to be very, very interesting. Already started up, already gone for a week. Cody Work doing great stuff covering the Broncos for Mile High Sports. Make sure to check that out Monday through Fridays, 9 a.m. on the MHS YouTube channel. All right. Uh, another thing that's going on and another thing that we're debuting tomorrow for Mile High Sports, I'm actually doing a video that should be very interesting to Nuggets fans and to a lesser extent Avalanche fans who are still riding the high of all of the championship hoopla. Uh, I recorded something over this last week. Should be very fun. I am looking forward to all of that. Uh, hopefully, we can uh, we can really see stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the promo here. Uh, it, it looks pretty good. Um, let me just... Throw some eyeball emojis on that on, on the old X app right there. And uh, that should be good. All right. Let's now do what we were coming here to do and rank shooting guards. The top 10 shooting guards in the NBA. I ranked point guards last week. It was a difficult, arduous process because there's a lot of talented point guards out there. And I do think it is important to uh, just in general see exactly what's going on with uh, with the lineups out there, with sh- uh, the actual strength of each position out there, because it does a good job, I think, of contextualizing how good the league is and where the league is most strong. I think shooting guard in general is actually one of the weaker positions in the NBA uh, because most of the players that then handle the ball and are, are allowed to create a little bit more are designated as point guards or sometimes small forwards. And we will cover all of those those guys in general. Uh, the important aspect in the way that I have ranked this is I believe that players that create the most positive impact for their team in both the regular season and the playoffs, those are the players that I think are the best that I think are the most value, and that I am going to rank the highest here. Um, There's a lot of intrigue when it comes to uh, older players that kind of regress a little bit. There's a lot of intrigue when it comes to younger players that are ballooning up into these rankings. Everybody wants to see their player as high as possible when it comes to these lists. Unfortunately, there's only 10 spots here. So I rank the point guards. There was a little bit of issue when it came to the actual like designation of who is who. Like James Harden, I decided not to rank as a point guard, but I'm going to rank Tyrese Maxey and James Harden on the shooting guard list. That's probably incorrect. I probably should have ranked James Harden as a point guard. Uh, but it is what it is. We're, we're figuring it out as we go along, and I'm doing my best here. So without further ado, let's look at the top 10 
shooting guards in the NBA, beginning with Devin Booker. Booker is awesome. I think Nuggets fans know this. Nuggets fans know how dangerous he is. Nuggets fans can appreciate the value that he brings. There is a lot that comes with trying to guard Devin Booker because he can do everything. He can handle the ball. He can shoot from the outside. He can create in isolations. He can create in pick and roll. He can make passes for others. He does a lot. He's also a better defender than he was earlier in his career. A lot of the issues that I had with him, that a lot of people had with him when it came to the early parts of his career, those have faded into the background. And I think we've seen what he can do from a playoff perspective, kind of like Jamal. Devin Booker rises above when it comes to a playoff environment, and he's very competitive. He's very, uh, very capable of rising to the moment. And I think he deserves to be at the top of this list. Luka Doncic was somebody that I thought about ranking at this spot, but he is going to be a small forward. So don't look at him here. He is a small forward and another player that I want to make sure is on this list. Oh, I didn't actually uh, didn't actually move that here, but um, there's, a, there's a couple of other guys that you could rank at small forward, at point guard, at shooting guard, whatever you want to call it. Devin Booker is a true shooting guard. He was going to have to handle the ball this year without Chris Paul. Uh, he and Bradley Beal are going to share. Bradley Beal is going to be called the point guard for their team, so that's why I listed him at point guard. Devin Booker deserves to be the shooting guard, and he's at the top of my list. Next is Anthony Edwards, who, if you're a Nuggets fan, you also have a strong appreciation for, given what he did this last year. Um, I think that he's extremely talented. I think he's so raw. He is so new to the position and trying to figure out exactly what he wants to do, exactly what he wants to become and how he can get there. He's still figuring some things out. But I think that he deserves to be at this point on this list because he's an all-star caliber player, clearly really an all-NBA caliber player, or at least like very close on the verge of that. And he is just going to continue to get better and better. He is a better defender than Devin Booker, although he is a little bit spacey uh, at times, especially during the regular season. But when he wants to lock in, he is a better defender. He is not as efficient of a scorer. He is not as efficient of a playmaker, but he is really, really great in both of those departments. And the great thing about him is that he can slash. The great thing about him, he's just so athletic that he makes up for any issues that he has technically with the athleticism of LeBron James. And it's just, it's very, very clear. He is one of the greatest athletes in the league today. And that is going to continue to propel him, I think. Anthony Edwards deserves to be number two. Number three, Donovan Mitchell. Probably somebody who I think would have been ranked next to a player like Devin Booker. Unfortunately, Donovan Mitchell has kind of plateaued a little bit. Although I do think that he's probably a little bit underrated now. Like I have him at 20 on my overall list of like the top 50 players in the NBA or so. He's really good. He's a really, really good basketball player and deserves a ton of credit for helping Cleveland get to the place that they were. Um, he is their driver for their team, more so than Darius Garland, more so than Evan Mobley or Jared Allen or anybody like that. 
Donovan Mitchell's the guy that they look to, and he is really, really talented. Did not have the best playoffs this last year. Not his best showing. I don't know if I want to blame him entirely for that. The context for Cleveland is really tough. Like with Booker, it's easier to space the floor when they have Kevin Durant at the four, DeAndre Ayton at the five, a couple floor spacers at the one and the three. That was a little bit different. Anthony Edwards, same thing. Like Rudy Gobert is kind of the dive man. And then they tried to space the floor out as much as possible around him, although it wasn't that great. He was still very good. Donovan Mitchell, a little bit different. Needs a little bit more context to him and has had a couple of duds, despite the fact that he also loves to rise to the occasion in the playoffs too. So it's tough. It's not the not the easiest thing, but I do think he's a better defender than where he was in Utah. And that elevates him above this next player, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown ranks number four for me. He is a very talented player in his own right, just signed that $300 million contract. The problem is is that I could make as many jokes as I want to about him dribbling with his left hand. It is a problem for him and a deserved problem for him. He isn't a driver of great teams, unlike the three players above him. Um, And Anthony Edwards didn't drive Minnesota as a great team. They're, They're a good team, and sometimes they're an average team. So. I don't want to necessarily penalize Jalen Brown too much because we're talking about context here. But I see a like I see those guys in the same tier, Anthony Edwards, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, and then James Harden below him. I see those guys all in the same tier. I just happen to think that Jalen Brown is the fourth best player, and he's not as good of a defender as Ant. He's not as good of a creator as Donovan. He is a little bit like the actual impact of what he provides to a team. I'm not going to do the thing where analytics guys will rank him way lower than what he probably should be ranked. Like, I think he's really good. I think he's really talented and he helps out teams, but he's also kind of like an innings eater. Uh, If you're a baseball, if you want a baseball comparison where you need starting pitchers who are just able to be out there for 200 innings or 180 innings or something like that during a regular season. And Jalen Brown is kind of like that from a scoring perspective. There's not a ton of substance when it comes to his playmaking, his rebounding, his defense, or anything like that. But as a scorer, he's really good. Not the best scorer in the NBA, but still very good. Number five, James Harden. He is... It's tough. I don't want... I I could have ranked him above Jalen Brown. I didn't think I could rank him any lower than this. I think that Harden is right around the 25th to 28th best player in the NBA right now, and that's fine. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make sense for him to be that much higher than that just because he's like, I mean, the way that he folds in the playoffs at times is really, really stressful. (laughs) <laughs> for any team that he's a part of, if you're trying to bet on any team that he's a part of, like it is just a very, very stressful thing. You do not know what you're going to get from James Harden. Now, he did win two games for Philly against the Boston Celtics, and those two games were very, very important. He needed Joel Embiid to win the other two, and Embiid could not, nor could anybody else on that team. They could only get one other. And so they faltered in game seven of the second round. Now, Harden should be able to step up in that situation. He didn't. That's a problem. 
Uh, he wasn't the only one, though. And I don't want to lay it at his feet. I don't want to lay all of those problems at his own feet. What it's going to do is it's going to lower him a little bit in all these rankings. Uh, because I think during the regular season, you could make an argument that he was more valuable than every other player on this list. Devin Booker, Anthony Edwards, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown. During the regular season specifically, you could make a you could make a case that James Harden was the most valuable shooting guard. The problem is that he dropped off tremendously in the playoffs. If I just look up the numbers right here, um, let me do that. Sorry about the typing here. Um, in the playoffs, Harden average 20 points, 8 assists, shot under 40% from the field, did shoot 37.8% from three. That was good. But the actual finishing around the rim was just, it was destructively bad. And that is, it's just not good enough. Like it's, it's not good enough to be in the top tier. And so he's at the bottom of this, of this other tier. Number six, Zach Levine. A player that I think if you swapped Zach Levine with Jalen Brown or James Harden, I don't think those other teams get worse. I actually think that it would probably change the context of those teams, to be clear. But I think that Zach Levine is an, an underrated piece who has been really stuck in a tough situation in Chicago. That's tough. It's annoying. It's frustrating, I'm sure. Uh, kind of being tattooed to DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic and not having any other dynamic players that could really help out. That's tough. That's not the best thing in the world. But I do think that. He deserves to be at this place on this list as opposed to that much higher, that much lower. He is not as talented as the players above him, but he is not as, like, the impact metrics will say that he's lower than this, but I don't think that that's true. I think that this is a good place for him. I think that he is at that bottom tier of star and higher than, like, elite role players. Like, I, I think that that's probably how I would describe it. He's For me, he's about the 40th best player in the NBA or so. And unfortunately, I have shooting guards, just a very weak list. So he's the sixth ranked shooting guard on this list. I don't think that that's unfair. I think that he probably could be in a better situation than where he's at. And that might make his numbers a little bit better. It might You might see a little bit more success for him. He's got to win some playoff games, though. Like, that's pretty clear. And he may not be up to him but it's probably the right time. Number seven, Mikael Bridges. Bridges at times looked like a star. At times he looked like a role player. It's hard to really tell which one he is. When he was asked to do the star things, the Brooklyn Nets ultimately flamed out. And that is a pretty strong indication that he's not ready to be among the group of players above him. But I do feel pretty good about his upward trajectory here. I think Harden's going to continue to get worse. I think that Mikhail, uh, he's not the youngest player. Like, I think he's like 27 or so. It's not like he is this 23-year-old athletic, versatile wing who is going to continue to rise. Like, I think he's going to fall or not not fall. Like, his, his actual athleticism is going to trend down a little bit going forward. And it's going to be interesting to see what he looks like uh, if he can be the top player on it playoff contending team or if he's going to have to be number two or number three. Uh, I think that he could probably be the second best player on the championship team in the right context. But most likely the context is going to have to be him being the third best player on the championship team, which means hard to rank him that much higher than any of the other stars, if at all. 
I have him here because the utility that he has as a helpful role player, like he's an elite role player. There's no question about that. I think that the highest that any of those kinds of players can get to is like in the 30s on one of those top 100, top 50 lists. I think that this is fair. Number eight, DeJounte Murray. Made an all-star team a couple years ago in San Antonio. Probably not like the most deserving of those nods. He is a good player. He is not a great player. He's probably a point guard, if we're being honest. But because he plays next to Trey Young, I have him ranked as a shooting guard. Um, he's good. He is versatile from a playmaking standpoint. He can make some good passes. He can run, pick, and roll. He can spot up off the ball a little bit. Not necessarily at his best. Like he's a better off the dribble shooter than he is a um, than he is a spot up shooter, and that's a problem. Like he's got to improve on that. But I do think that he is good. He is like still pretty young himself, and has a long range to go for uh, what he can actually be at the, at the shooting guard position. I think that him playing next to another point guard is probably probably a waste of his talents when it comes to him actually competing, like a player, a team with DeJounte Murray actually competing for a title. But I do think that DeJounte is good. Like he is a, a credible piece to a playoff team. The problem is, is that he does have some holes in his game, not as strong a defend of a defender as he once was. And that really hurt a team like Atlanta. Number nine, Desmond Bain. Could have probably ranked Desmond Bain above DeJounte Murray. I went back and forth between those two guys. They're at about the same place, and I feel pretty strongly about that. Bain is good. Like He is a really, really good player, and he has some upward mobility as well. Older rookie when he came into the, uh, when he came into the league, but he's only, I think, in his... Like, I think this last one was his fourth season, if I'm not mistaken. Let me, uh, or no, it was his third season. So right now, Desmond Bain has just played his third season, and he has just turned 25. So his prime is ahead of him, and he could absolutely rise above where I have him right now. Could he finish as a top five shooting guard in the league? Absolutely. Is he going to get much better than that? I don't know. Like I don't know what it's going to look like for him. Can he be a top 25 player? Probably, but probably not higher than that. Um, but I did like what he does uh, as kind of a contextual piece around John Morant and Jaron Jackson. He is a perfect third guy to have between those two because he can operate with and without the ball. He's a good defender, not a great defender. Uh, the athleticism, I think, is definitely an issue at some points as well as the versatility. Though he is smart, he is capable. Uh, and like I said, I, elite shooter. That's that's the one thing that you need to know with Desmond Bain. And that is going to translate. Every single season of his career, he has shot above 46% from the field and 40% from three. Every single one. And he just continues to get better. This last year, he averaged 21-5-4. and four. Probably needs to be better even than that if it comes to raising up this list. And that may not happen next to John Morant and Jaron Jackson, but if they start like if they're winning in the playoffs, then who cares? Like he'll he'll raise up automatically because of that. And then finally, Tyrese Maxey. I had him at the tail end of my top ten. I think it's a fair placement for him. I do not think that he's a better player than any of the other guys above him. He has some peaks that are above those guys. But in terms of consistency, 
the defense is always going to be an issue with him because he's a smaller player. He gets taken advantage of by some of the bigger players in the NBA. And he's also not a great passer. Like he is a better passer than a lot of other shooting guards. But in terms of actually running a team and actually like doing some things off the dribble, only three and a half assists is pretty low. Uh, but he is a low turnover player as well. So that is to his benefit. He's not like making bad decisions with the basketball. It's just that he's not making a ton of decisions with the basketball when he's playing next to Joel Embiid and James Harden. So we will see what Tyrese Maxey ultimately looks like. I think that he will continue to go up this list as well. Like you've got Mikhail Bridges, you've got Desmond Bain, you've got Tyrese Maxey. Those guys are probably going to have some upward mobility on this list. Uh, although I'm not sure where they're like whether they're actually going to be able to, to to displace a guy like Devin Booker, Anthony Edwards, Donovan Mitchell. Like, how, how are you going to get in the way of those guys? Like, those guys are really, really talented. So maybe they can do it. Maybe they can. It's just going to take some time. Tyrese Maxey, like Desmond Bain in his third season this last year, he is going to continue to get better. Those guys are going to get, I think they both got max extensions, if I'm not mistaken. So both deserved, obviously. Those guys are very, very good. And we will see where they continue to go. I think that they can absolutely get even higher on this list. The next five guys that I had on my list uh, that could have made it onto the top 10, Clay Thompson bumped off of the list. I think it's deserved. He is older. He is not as strong of a defender anymore. The actual impact of his shooting is felt a little bit less every single season. And I think that the actual defense and and the uh, regression that he has had physically, especially as kind of a finisher, that has been a big issue as well. Like him not being able to do some of the things to take pressure off of Steph Curry and Draymond Green and guys like that, that's a problem. Like he was not good in the playoffs this last year, and I think like he's going to have to have a, back, a bounce back season in a lot of different ways. Uh, Austin Reeves, upward trajectory on this list as well. Like he is somebody who could crack the top 10 with a really strong season next year. Didn't have a great context for the first 40 games or so of the season, but in the second half when Russell Westbrook was not there, he was great. Uh, Really, really good. And then was great in the playoffs as well. So Reeves has some potential to move onto this list, although uh, this is kind of the Lakers tax talking as well. Like that's just going to be a thing. Uh, but I do think that he is a good, talented player. It's just kind of annoying to watch him flop everywhere. Um, KCP, he deserves an honorable mention for a top 10 shooting guards list. He's not in that general tier when it comes to these young, athletic, uh, shooting-heavy shooting guards. KCP is a role player through and through, and naturally he's not going to make one of these lists, but he deserves at least a mention in terms of this placement. Anthony Simons, Jalen Green, those guys are pretty interesting comparisons for for each other. Simons is three years older, or at least like was in his age 23 season. Jalen Jalen Green was in his age 20 season. Both of those guys, I think, obviously will have some upward trajectory. Although Simons probably kind of goes in the CJ McCollum route when it comes to not really sure how valuable the small shooting guard is. Uh, even if you are a, a very interesting, uh, creative offensive force. Like the defense with Simons is going to be a problem forever. With Jalen Green, it may be a problem. It may not be a problem. He doesn't deserve to be on the top 10, though. Like clearly not there yet. 
and that's okay. Uh, he still has a lot to learn, but can learn it and will probably be on this top 10 as soon as next season. That would be my guess. I would guess that uh, James Harden is probably sliding down it. DeJounte Murray probably slides down a little bit. Desmond Bain and Tyrese Maxey slide up. And then Jalen Green finds his way into that top 10 list at some point. Uh, or maybe, who knows, maybe one of these guys changes position, like James Harden. Like Maybe he just goes back to being a point guard, which probably in his future. But that is the list. That is the list I have of the top shooting guards in the NBA. Uh, just as a reiteration, Devin Booker, Anthony Edwards, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, James Harden, Zach Levine, Mikhail Bridges, DeJounte Murray, Desmond Bain, and Tyrese Maxey. Those are the top 10. Uh, we will see what it looks like going forward with some of these other lists, but I'm going to start penciling in uh, small forwards going forward, and, and uh, we will do that in a future podcast. But for now, make sure to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. That obviously helps us, helps us tremendously. We really, really do appreciate it and would love to see this channel continue to grow. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, and thank you for all the well wishes on the new setup and the new apartment. I'll talk to you guys very soon.